give honor to whom honor is due, we also want you to know that we're mindful of you, and we honor you, and we're thankful for you. And certainly God, the God of all comfort, sees you and wants to bless you. But it is a good opportunity for us to say thank you to our moms. And we have developed somewhat of a tradition here. I don't actually know when it started, a long, long time ago, I think, that we give a flower to our moms who are with us uh, on this Mother's Day. And so we want to do that this morning. I think we have some helpers here, right? So, wow, look at that. I've never seen them so attentive. (laughs) They are Johnny on the spot. I like it. All right, so as they get ready, let's take a moment to, wow, we may have more teenagers than mothers. Y'all may have to double up or I don't know how we're going to do this. We're fanning out. Here we go. (laughs) All right, so if you became a mother for the first time through adoption, through fostering, through having a child over this past year, stand up, ladies. If you became a mother for the first time over this past year, please stand. Yeah, all the new moms are at home asleep, trying to get some sleep. Okay, I get it. All right, let's go to the other end of the spectrum. If you're a grandmother, please stand. If you're a grandmother or a great-grandmother or a wonderful grandmother or great, wonderful, great-grandmother, you stand. Very nice. Thank you. All right, now other mothers, all moms, please stand. If you consider yourself a mom, please stand and join these ladies. Our young people have a rose for you as a small token of our love and appreciation. So to help these guys, you can sit down when you get your rose. That will help them see who still needs a rose. A somewhat unfortunate tradition also seems to be that we have some very lame poetry at this point in the service. And so as the young people are handing out roses, we will give this a shot. We're really just filling time while they hand out roses. But All right, here we go. I usually say roses are red and violets are blue, but this year I won't do that. It will be something new. (laughs) Today is Mother's Day. We're thankful you're here. Our plan is to be nice to you, even if it's just one day a year. When God made mothers, he did it just right. Through all the world's darkness, you bring joy and light. These days, everyone is talking about AI and robots. They're coming, it's true. The world is changing, but nothing can replace you. Your intelligence is not artificial. Your love is not computerized. You're wondering about this one, aren't you? Your heart is real, your love so true, they endure even when scrutinized. You are the real deal, generous, loving, and kind. Not perfect, of course, but the best mom we could ever find. So today we honor you like we should all the time. Forgive us for not... Forgive us for taking you for granted, and man, this is getting hard to rhyme. We give you this rose, not out of a sense of duty, but because it represents our love and, of course, matches your beauty. So happy Mother's Day, moms. Good job, guys. Y'all did that in record time. Did we get everyone? Did we miss anyone? Scanning. Did we miss anyone? Okay. Very good. Well, obviously it's just a rose, but it speaks so much to our love and appreciation for you. Thank you so much for what you do. So often, what you do that is unnoticed, unheralded, unthanked, and we want to pause and thank you and tell you that we see what you do. 
even when we don't see all the things you do. We know you're doing it. We know you have done it. We know you will continue to do it. So thank you. Thank you for honoring God in that role as mother or grandmother. Thank you for serving others, including us. And so we want to honor you and thank you. I think one of the best ways we can do that is to lift you up in prayer. And so would you join me as we pray a prayer of blessing over our mothers. Father God, we thank you. In this moment, we are so thankful for so much. Certainly, you have put people in our lives who mean so much to us. People like our mothers, our grandmothers, who pour into us. Father, oftentimes serving us behind the scenes, leading us in ways that draw us closer to you. Father, we are thankful for their example. We're thankful for the ways we see you in them, in their words, in their actions, in their expressions of kindness. Father, in their faithfulness to you, in their prayer, in their Bible study, in their ministry. Father, we are thankful for these women, and we pray your blessings, your care, your provision for them. Father, continue to use them in powerful ways to advance the kingdom. Father, we are thankful this morning for those who have taught us, those who have led us, those who have served us, those who have inspired us. And so, Father, again, we pray your richest blessings over them. We offer this prayer and our thanks in the name of our Savior Jesus. Amen. If you have a Bible, you might open it up to Luke chapter 1. That will be our text this morning, Luke chapter 1. That is one of the Gospels in the New Testament. Luke records as he is inspired by the Holy Spirit. And these stories of Jesus, the story of Jesus, the story of Jesus that blesses our lives and gives us a place in God's story because of Jesus. Let me ask you, what is the song of your life? What song best describes your life? If you had to pick a song that you would say, that is me, that is my anthem, that is my song, what would it be? You know, you hear couples sometimes, I don't know, maybe if, if you're married or if you're dating someone, you have your song. You hear it and you say, oh, they're playing our song. We don't really have a song like that, but maybe you do. But what if it was just you as an individual? What would be the song that defines your life? Evidently, on social media, I just learned about this, there's somewhat of a trend that you can find your life's song, the song that defines and captures your life. All you have to do is find the number one song on the charts on your 14th birthday. That's the song that defines your life. I was so curious, I had to find out, and so online you can enter your birth date and it'll look it up and it'll tell you, so I did that. And so the number one song on my 14th birthday, and evidently the song that defines my life, is Up Where We Belong. Some of you don't even know that song. Total blank stares over here. Up Where We Belong. I think it was in a movie, An Officer and a Gentleman. Does that sound right? It's, I was 14, so I couldn't go see that movie, I'm sure. My parents would not let me, and probably for good reason. But yeah, Up Where We Belong is evidently my life song. Actually, when I did it the first time, I messed up. I, I messed up on the month, and I put in one instead of 11. My birthday's in November. I put in one, and then it said my song was Physical by Olivia Newton-John. <laughs> Which is probably actually more accurate because that's what my doctor tells me I need every two years. So a physical. 
So that's probably more accurate. But what would your song be? What would your song be if you had to pick a song? Music is so powerful, and when you put lyrics that are meaningful with a tune that is catchy or that, that stirs the emotion, it really does speak, doesn't it? It really speaks to us. For Mary, the mother of Jesus, she had a song, an anthem. In fact, we call it Mary's song sometimes. It wasn't number one on the charts when she was 14 years old, but amazingly, we still sing her song today. It is a personal and powerful hymn. It reveals her faith. It captures her life. It helps tell her story. But to understand her song, you really need to know the setting. You need some context. And so in Mary's day, the people of God had been waiting and waiting and waiting. They were waiting from a, for a sign. They were waiting for God to speak, for God to do something. They were scanning the horizon of the heavens, looking for God to do something. You see, the prophets of God had been sidelined, which meant in many ways the voice of God had been silenced. And the people longed to hear God. They longed for good news in their world. They longed for light to pierce the darkness. And so they waited. Days became weeks. Weeks became months. Months, years, years, decades, and decades, centuries. Some of you know what it's like to wait. Some of you know what it's like to wait on God. You have prayed and you have prayed and you have prayed. And you read scriptures that say the prayer of the earnest, the righteous, they will availeth much that God will listen to our prayers and you are waiting, longing, looking, searching. You know what it's like to wait. Some of you know what it's like to wait for that good report from the doctor or any report from the doctor. Just let me know I need the news. Some of you know what it's like to wait for your job to get better, for your marriage to get better, for your life to get better. Really, the truth is, all of us know what it's like to wait on God because we are all waiting on God to make good on his promise to make all things new, to redeem this fragile world where there is so much darkness. We are all waiting on God to do what he said he will do. And so we wait. Mary and the people of God were waiting. For 400 years, they waited. And finally, it was time it was time for the light to break through the darkness. It was time for God to break into and unleash his kingdom into the world, at least the beginning of the kingdom. It was time for him to send a savior, the Messiah. It was time for the word to become flesh and live with us. It was time. And it begins with a visit from an angel, Gabriel. He comes to see this probably young girl named Mary. It's not every day that this ordinary girl gets visits from angels, and so she is afraid. The text says that she is troubled, and she wonders what kind of visit this is. Is God upset with her? Has she done something wrong? Why is she even on God's radar? Can you imagine being visited by an angel, wondering what God has to say to you? Here's what the angel says. Luke chapter 1. Look at verse 30. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid. Mary, you have found favor with God. 
you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus, the Anointed One. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. The kingdom will never end. His kingdom will never end. You see, Jesus reigns even today, and for all of eternity, his kingdom will never end. Well, not surprisingly, Mary had a few questions, you might say logistical questions, about how all of this would happen. How would she become pregnant? How would she give birth to a child? But then after those are cleared up, her conclusion, conclusion is a simple response, a simple response of faithfulness. Verse 38, I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. May your word to me be fulfilled. That's really the bottom line of today's message, Mary's response, and all that was going on in the world, and all that was going on inside her head, inside her heart. God calls her, and what does she say? How does she respond? God, whatever you say, I'll do whatever you need me to do. May your word to me be fulfilled. By all means, don't let me get in the way of what you're doing. I want to be a part of what you're doing. Just let it be. What a response of faithfulness. It's also an unusual response. In the biblical text, it's not unusual for call narratives to be met with objections, excuses, reasons why people can't do what God is calling them to do. Moses, when God called Moses, what did he say? God, I'm not eloquent of speech. I can't lead your people. I, I think I'm the wrong person for the job. Jeremiah had similar objections. I don't have experience in leadership and speaking. I can't do this. Abraham's objection came later when he and Sarah laughed at the notion of having a child, this child of promise in their old age. So often when God calls people, they object. They have excuses. They go the opposite direction. And yet, how does Mary respond Except for a clarifying question, she simply responds in faith and submission to this call on her life that would forever change her life, that would alter the course of her life. Her response was simply, may your word to me be fulfilled, whatever you say, God. She gets this news, and when she hears this news, she goes to visit her relative Elizabeth, who also has gotten divine word that she is having a child an important child, a child that she is to name John with the middle name The Baptist. I think that's probably not in the text, but we know it's in there somewhere. She's the mother of John the Baptist, and Mary meets her. And John the Baptist, of course, would be the one that would prepare the way for Jesus, prepare the way for the Messiah. And when Elizabeth sees Mary, she recognizes that something special is happening, that this is a part of what God is doing. Luke chapter 1, verse 42. In a loud voice, Elizabeth exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord will fulfill his promises to her. It's a very special moment between these two ladies. A moment of blessing. A moment of realization that God is acting. God is at work. 
and they get to be a part of it. If you travel to Jerusalem, right outside Jerusalem, there's an area called Ein Karim. It's a, a beautiful hilly area. And if you go there, you'll see this church called the Church of the Visitation. And it is to mark the spot where Mary met Elizabeth. And you can see from the picture, there's a statue there of the two ladies. And Elizabeth is pregnant, and their bellies are almost touching as they share this moment together. Can you imagine the flood of emotions? Maybe the enormity of what God was doing was washing over them. How he was breaking into the world's darkness with his eternal light. And the fact that they would not just be spectators, but participants in what God was doing had to be incredibly exciting and also what? Probably very terrifying. And so what's the correct response? When God singles you out, when he calls you out, when he decides to include you, just a common person in his divine plan, well, you should submit and praise him. And that's exactly what Mary does. This unknown girl who would soon be the mother of the Messiah burst out in song, the song that would define her life as a servant of God and forever mark her role in what God was doing and is still doing to redeem the world. We, we call this song Magnificat because that is the first word in the Latin translation of the song. Here it is, Luke 1, verse 46. Here's Mary's response. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. Beautiful song of praise, recognizing who God is, what he has done, what he is doing, what he will continue to do. If you go there to Ein Karim, you will see that statue. And that statue stands in front of this huge stone wall with at least 50 different framed versions of Magnificat, all in different languages. It's a beautiful sight. And as you stand there looking at this wall, it's almost like you're surrounded, you're engulfed by this choir, this chorus from all tribes, from all tongues, praising God. It's a preview of heaven. It's what we read in Revelation. It's a beautiful sight. But how would you feel? How would you feel if God interrupted your life? How would you feel if God interrupted your plans with his plans? How would you feel if you had your life kind of staked out? This is what I'm going to do. This is where I'm going to go. This is how it's going to happen. And all of a sudden, God breaks into that and says, wait a second. I have a job for you. How would you feel? What if it meant giving up your own comfort? What if it meant sacrificing your dreams and goals? Your future? 
What if it meant facing unfair criticism, as we know Mary likely did? What if it meant being targeted by skepticism and questioning your very character? How would you respond? What would your song be? As God commissioned you to be a part of what he was doing to redeem this world, how would you respond? What song would you sing? Some of us might reply with that old song, Why Me, Lord? Remember that song? Why me, Lord? Maybe for some of us, we would, uh, we would strike up the old meatloaf tune. I can do anything for love, but I won't do that. <laughs> or maybe if we like church songs a little better, we'll sing the song we sang a few moments ago, 10,000 Reasons, but we will repurpose that song to give God 10,000 reasons why we can't do and won't do what he has called us to do. What would your song be? How would you respond to God? Mary's song doesn't call attention to herself, to her desires, to her goals, to her plan, but to God's. When some of us would have been thinking about what a disruption this would be, how this wasn't in the plan, how inconvenient it is, what a burden this is, she was thinking about how the God of the universe was going to do something so great so big and he was calling her into that to be a part of that to partner with God in a very small way but important way to take down the powers of the world to basically turn the world upside down we can clearly hear echoes of Hannah's song and Mary's song if you're in Bible class today you probably looked at Hannah's prayer her song Mary's has a lot of similarities And certainly Mary probably knew Hannah's song and she represents it in her own song. As you look at that Magnificat, as you look at that song, you'll see God is the major player. Look at the activity of God. He is at work. He has done great things. He extends mercy. He performs mighty deeds. He scatters the proud. He brings down rulers. He lifts up the humble. He fills the hungry. He sends the rich away empty. He helps his people as N.T. Wright said it is a declaration of the gospel before the gospel you see all of these actions they represent the revolutionary work of the kingdom of God this song is a subversive social message God's justice is reversing the social and political strongholds of the day lifting up the status of the lowly humbling the powerful, delivering the weak, rescuing the perishing. This is the work of God's kingdom. This is the work of Christ. This is the work of his church. And God wants you to be a part of his good work. He is calling you. God is still actively working through his people today to do these things, to extend mercy to the weak and the vulnerable, to feed the hungry, to topple the power structures that promote greed and injustice and oppression, to do what Isaiah prophesied and Luke recorded that Jesus would do, Luke 4, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. You see, that's the work of the kingdom of God. And God commissioned Mary to make herself available, to join God 
to make these things happen. What about you? I think the same call is on your life. Now, obviously, the specific call, the circumstances are different. But how do you respond when God calls you to be his agent of love and liberation in this world? You see, that's really what he was doing with Mary. Mary, I want you to to be a part of what I'm doing. What I'm doing to to bring love into this world, to, to set the prisoners free, to liberate the world that is bound by sin. How do you respond? Many of us offer objections and excuses. I'm too busy, got too much going on, I'm not gifted, or maybe I'm gifted in another area while I'm, I'm waiting for you to call me in that area. Or God, really, honestly, I don't think your way is going to work, so I have a, have a better way, I have a different way. Or, or God, I don't want to give up my comfort, I don't want to give up my dreams, my goals, I don't want to give up my life that I have built I've worked hard for God. You're asking me to sacrifice, to put those things behind me? I don't know, God. The excuses are abundant, and every single one of them is rooted in the same thing, self. How does Mary respond? She doesn't talk about herself. She looks to God. In fact, look at the first line, my soul magnifies. That word magnifies means exactly what it sounds like it means. To make bigger, to enlarge. Remember, maybe when you were a kid, you had a little magnifying glass. I mean, I remember I used to burn ants with them, but really that's not what they were intended for, right? You're supposed to use them to make things bigger, to magnify. She says, my soul magnifies God. Mary is magnifying the purposes and the plans of God. She says, he has done great things for me. It's personal for Mary. He's done great things for me. But Mary, Mary, did you know? Did you know that people would reject your son? Mary, did you know that your life's going to be turned upside down? Mary, did you know that you will have a sword in your soul? Mary, did you know that people are going to talk about you They're going to pass judgment on you. You're going to be pregnant out of wedlock. Mary, did you know what that means? It means people are going to make assumptions. Are you ready for that? What Mary did know is that God was breaking through with his plans and his purpose. And those plans included her. And she was ready. She was ready to be part of what God was doing. May your word to me be fulfilled. That was her response. Whatever you say, God, I'm in. Let's go. Are you ready? How will you respond when God calls you? If we can encourage you today, let us do that. If today is a difficult day and you need support, let us pray for you. If today you're ready to give your life to Christ, to be buried with Christ in baptism and raised out of the waters of baptism as a new creation with a new purpose, a new life, new hope, new joy. Don't delay. Do that today. In just a minute, a couple of our shepherds and their wives will be in the parlor. It's a little room right behind me. They would love to meet you there. If you want a more intimate setting, they'll encourage you and pray for you. Or you can come down to the front and we'll do that as well as a church family. If there's something we can do for you today, 
as God calls you, and you have to decide how you're going to answer. Let us help. Let's stand and sing. My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God. My Savior, my soul magnifies the Lord. My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit reach. My glory be to God, the Spirit. Glory be. My soul magnifies the Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we are just so thankful for the opportunity to gather here today in your name and learn about you and praise you, God, and fellowship with one another. And, and today, Lord, we are especially thankful for our mothers, and I pray that we would all be able to express that thanks today and to honor um, our mothers. I just pray that you be with us as we, as we go from here, that we... Uh, be your agents of love and liberation in this world, Lord, and that uh, 